I'm Sam Mitchell, and these are my stories. Hi, folks. Have a good day today, and let me be the first to welcome you to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Now, before we begin, I must note that I am not a doctor or a psychiatrist. If you feel like your son or daughter needs to be diagnosed with autism, please see a physician or any psychiatrist for any medical terms I get. I only do this based on my experiences. I also do not own the music to this podcast. Both were found up, both were published on YouTube in March and July 2017. All right, so now that we got that through, I'd like to interview today's a big today's a big day actually, because I have a very special guest on this episode. His name is Armani Williams. Armani Williams is the first openly NAS autistic NASCAR driver, and we're gonna talk to him today. So Armani, how are you today, buddy? Oh, I'm doing good, Sam. I uh, appreciate you having me on this podcast. And, yeah, you know, just very excited. It's a beautiful day today. <laughs> it is a beautiful day. I like yeah. this over the cold any day. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So my first question to you is, what does having autism mean to you? Yeah, you know, really autism means a lot to me. You know, with everything I've had to go through in my life, you know, everything of uncertainty, have to overcome adversity of challenges I've had to face and you know to be able to make that from a negative to a positive impact for what I'm doing with uh you know racing you know I mean it definitely means a lot to me and I'm very blessed to you know carry along a cost and, and make a very positive impact with it and you know it's just all thanks to the people that continue to support me especially my family and just you know just continuing to carry that on the rest of my life. Yeah, definitely. I'm with you. I'm, we're just trying to raise the stigma off the autism to show that we're not broke, nor we're not all bad. There's some good to us. Absolutely. So when you learned you had autism, what were your initial thoughts when you learned that you had it? Yeah, you know, so about that, um, I never got to mention you this uh, before, but like, um, I was diagnosed with autism when I was two. And so really, you know, being a young kid, you don't really think of you know, what you have and all that, you know, I just kind of thought, you know, I was just a normal kid like everyone else. And so, you know, and I didn't realize like, oh, what everything was happening to me. So then, you know, once my parents told me about it, I think I was about six or seven when they told me that I had autism, it, you know, it kind of really made me open my eyes and made me learn more about this, um, you know, uh, autism that I had and just some of the things that I have gone through. And, you know, it was just like, you know, I understand it now and, you know, I understand, you know, what I have and, and it's just something that I'm just going to have, I have to continue to overcome the rest of my life. But, you know, really my family, no matter what I had with autism, they were going to they continue to love me and continue to support me in everything that I did. Good, 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 good. I have a good family too. I was told actually at the same time you were. So yeah, when you think when we're told that, you feel like it's kind of like of our, one of my friends said this, if you see 114 meet Abe Shapiro, but if you see our, he said we had a Eureka moment. Was it kind of like your Eureka moment? Like, oh, I get why this happens now. And yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, you just you just don't realize it until like people tell you and then, you know, it just sort of opens you up and then, you know, you start to kind of accept it and sort of get to what you have and something that it's your responsibility to kind of, you know, carry forward and just continue your life with it. Not in a negative way, but in a positive way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand what you mean by that. Mm -hmm. So... How do you think our brains operate? Are there any analogies that you want to, how do you think our brains operate? So like maybe like a clock wheel running or something like that. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by is this, we operate very differently than someone without autism, right? Right, yeah. But how do you think an autistic brain operates? Like, could you give me like an example or a story or an analogy? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, uh, to me, like I've, I've had to kind of think about this, you know, and I think the way our brains operate with people with autism is I think it, it mostly has to do with what we think and what our thoughts put in the mind than like a normal, normal people would, whatever we see in our surroundings and what's happening in the world today. You know, whatever we think and hear or, you know, believe may not be the same thing as like what a normal person will think, you know, and, and that's just uh, another thing to where, you know, we have to kind of find a way to share this world together. 
And, you know, even with our brain, it allows us to function and behave in a way that people might find it, some people might find it quirky and weird, but really like that, that's what makes us unique. That's what makes us feel special and different, you know, and it's just another thing to how we can share this world together, you know, regardless of what differences they may have. It may not be what a normal person might be, but, you know, despite our differences, you know, we can make a positive contribution to society, you know, no matter what we think or what we hear. Yeah, we can all do it our own way, our own time, and change the world in our, or on our own terms, I guess is the way to say it. Yeah, absolutely. So what is the most rewarding and the most difficult thing about having autism? Uh, yeah, that's a very, very good question, you know, and I had to think a long hard about this, but like, you know, I would say the most rewarding thing about having autism is that, you know, it gives you an opportunity to kind of almost find your own destiny because so many times when you like have special needs, especially with autism, you know, there's always the uncertainty of how your life is going to be, you know, because I mean, you just don't know like what kind of positive contribution you can make to society. So, you know, until you can find like, you know, something that you're interested in and something that you focus on and love, I think at like, that's where you can kind of almost carry that along and just, you know, believe, encourage, and work hard at, at something that you love. And it gets some support to, uh, for that to kind of help you, like, keep going so that, you know, you can do that the rest of your life. You know, but of course, there's also the disadvantages of, you know, uh, what type of obstacles we have to face. Like, we struggle with social interaction. We struggle with communication. We struggle with um you know with repetitive behaviors and that sort of thing but you know really i i kind of just look at those and find something positive to go along with it you know just overcome it don't let autism back you down to you know what you love to do in life and what you want to do in a positive way and so you know really i kind of think of you know having autism more as more advantages to life and less disadvantages yeah definitely I get where you're going. I mean, we can do what we want, sort of, and make our own passions follow on our terms, but with the resources that we need, right? Can you say that? For sure, absolutely. Now we have three. Mm -hmm. I want to talk to you about your childhood a little bit. So, what was your uh, childhood like when you were younger from 18? Yeah, you know, I mean, being a uh, child with autism, it, it definitely wasn't easy at first, you know. I mean, like I was uh, a very shy guy and even still today, I'm still a little shy, you know, so that hasn't completely gone away, but which, but that's fine. But, you know, I was always a very shy kid, didn't really talk a lot, you know, didn't really do a whole lot of things, you know, I mean, especially going through school, you know, I always wanted to try and make friends and, you know, it's just sometimes there was moments where I kind of felt a little lonely, you know, people that were really, you know, uncertain of what my abilities are so every day was always a challenge for me but you know i had to make the decision on uh, whether to let those barriers kind of push me back or am i gonna overcome those challenges you know and as a kid you know i decided that i'm gonna find a way to overcome these challenges and be the type of person that i want to be despite being autism you know, and what's helped me get through that is, uh, like I mentioned before, with, um, you know, my family and, you know, the support system I have that helps me continue to live my life with autism. And, you know, that's just all you need to have, that people that can treat you with kindness, love, and understanding. And, you know, I, I have to say, I think without that, you know, I, I really don't know how my life would have turn out to be but i mean i'm glad it's gone in in a positive direction exactly i'm the same way if i didn't have my resources i would not be as successful as i am today for sure absolutely i read online once that you were a big fan of hot wheels so who introduced you to hot wheels well i think uh you know it was more so like my parents actually you know, they realized at a young age that, like, I kind of liked cars, especially playing with action figure cars in general, you know, and of course, there was Hot Wheels at the time. So every now and then, whether it was on my birthday or Christmas, I always wanted to almost somewhat get like a Hot Wheels car or go get one at a store at like Target or Walmart whenever I go to my parents for shopping, 
you know, and, and those places have like a toy section and there's like cars in between. So whenever I saw a car, I wanted to get like at least just one because I, I was just that fascinated about it. So it was more so a little bit of me kind of introducing myself to cars as well as, you know, my parents kind of carrying that to me. Yeah, they, they introduced you to Hot Wheels and kind of figured that you might like car racing and look for a ledger too, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's just uh, all about, you know, parents kind of, you know, giving, helping you find your interests and, and giving you like uh, whatever you love. So that way you can kind of, you know, not be so bored and actually like enjoy it. Exactly. I definitely agree with that. So probably were a big fan of races also when you uh, was growing up. So what was your favorite race that you've ever watched as a child or at any age, I guess, from one to 18 or from birth to 18, I should say? Yeah, you know, and, and that's a that, that's a good that's a good question as well, because like really I've, I've watched hundreds and thousands of races. And, you know, that's all I do is, is I like to just watch racing whenever it was on television. But if I were to pitch just one race that I would say that was my favorite one and I was really so tuned in with it, it would be back in 2011, the 2011 Daytona 500. And really the Daytona 500, it's such a big prestigious race. Any driver that grows up wanting to be a race car driver, like that race is almost like the Super Bowl of like nascar racing and and that and that's every driver's dream to win it and so you know it comes on every february and i remember watching this specific race and there was a unique style of racing going on called tandem drafting and you know when you think about like holding a magnet and metal just starts sticking onto it and staying on it that's kind of how the this type of race was i mean like the tandem drafting is where two cars would sort of hook up together and stay hooked on and the amazing thing is is that like out of 40 cars like if if two cars end up locking each other together you know 38 other cars would like it would be faster than 38 other cars that were in a pack you know so it just kind of was such interesting such unique type of racing that i was just so pumped up and excited about you know and it's a race where you know anybody can win it honestly you know and so you know, that particular race um, is something that sticks out to me more. And it, it was pretty exciting, especially watching it at a 10, 11 years old. Yeah, I bet it was exciting. I'd probably watch it with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they have it on YouTube. Yeah. I'll have to check that out sometime. For sure. Did you have any other favorite hobbies as a child or was racing your only hobby? <laughs> yeah, so um, with uh, without the racing being attached to me uh, some other hobbies i have a love doing as a kid you know i always like to cook for my family you know especially my mom you know and moms like to cook a lot we all know that so i mean i kind of got into that a little bit you know and i also love to go to theaters you know and go watch a movie whenever there was a movie i wanted to go see that was uh out you know and then i also like to um I also like to go on vacations, you know, anywhere that's warm, sunny, that's like a beautiful vacation destination. Just something to just kind of get away whenever you're busy with whatever profession you're in, you know, but as much as the fun stuff, I also like to listen to music a lot, any type of music. And I like to dance, which I wish there was enough room to, for me to show you some dance moves, but I probably can't do that. But dancing is like one of the things I like to do. And so, you know, there's many fun sides to me other than racing, that's for sure. I'm glad those are some of my interests too, actually. So when did you discover NASCAR? So I discovered NASCAR when I was, I have to say I was like, four or five years old, you know, and at the time, like I mentioned before, I always would play with actually bigger cars. But then when I heard of NASCAR, I was just like, oh, wow, this sounds something that's like awesome and cool. When does this thing play on TV? And so, you know, they would always play it on every Sunday. So the first time I ever, I ever watched a NASCAR race on TV, you know, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Like, I was so glued in to just it fascinated me on how fast those cars were going, 180, 190 miles an hour, passing each other left and right like nobody's business. Like, like it was crazy. And then, um, you know, the winner at the end of the race would get a trophy. And so, you know, like after watching it that day, you know, I, I just immediately start 
tuning into that. That was just another interest in mine that, you know, I just wanted to go see all the time. And, you know, even while like being a professional race car driver, I still continue watching NASCAR races to this day because, you know, that's just what I love and enjoy. And it just sticks out in my life. Yeah. There are some things that stick out. I mean, WWE sticks out to me a lot. So we definitely have stuff that sticks out to us. Also, when you learn about NASCAR and they, you want to be told, and you were told your parents that I'll be a NASCAR driver when I grow up. What were your family's thoughts exactly? Well, you know, I think uh, my family uh, thoughts were like, at first when I started watching racing, they, they realized that, you know, there was another thing that I was very interested in. And, you know, we should let them continue that. And, you know, it, I, I kind of got into it more to where when I, it got to the point where I was like seven or eight years old, you know, and I told my dad uh, straight up that, you know, I wanted to be a professional race car driver. That's what I wanted to do. And so, you know, my, my family, like you would think with a sport like NASCAR racing, you would, they, they would think otherwise, but I mean, they were all in and they wanted to support me in that and, and continue to help me in any way, shape or form to help me achieve my dream. And so, you know, that's kind of how my family thought of it. And, you know, they're, um, there's, they've been always proud and uh, excited of, uh, what I've been doing. So it, it was great. I bet it was great. My family, um, they, I want to do this possibly for a living. They were very pleased to hear it. So glad your, was this, your family was in the same direction. So I also heard yeah, that sure it's all about that support. It is definitely all about that support. Instead of all that, about, instead of all about that base, it's all about that support. Absolutely. So, <laughs> Absolutely. So I went right online that you went to uh, go-kart school. What, without revealing the location of it, or revealing, I guess you're real time, without revealing the exact location, what go-kart school did you go to? Um, well, of course, I would have to tell you where it was at. Like, I mean, it wasn't just basically like the name of a school. It was just at a um, particular track. Um, I would say it was at like uh, Jackson Speedway, per se. You know, that's kind of where I my driving school was at. I had to go over there when I was like eight years old. It was like a eight week session. It, it, it was such a fun time, you know, got to learn more a lot about like, you know, the competitive side of it. And so, you know, that's kind of where it all started over there at Jackson Speedway in Michigan. Ah, nice, 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 nice. That, that sounds like a good school. Here's what I don't understand. This is why did you have to go to that school and how did that, go-kart school in particular help you in your career? You know, I mean, I think when you get to like that certain of an age when you're that young like that, I mean, you know, I had to go to that go-kart school for one to learn the basics about like knowing how to race, you know? I mean, you, you learn everything to how do you use the gas to go? How do you use the brakes to stop? How to steer the car? You know, you learn how to race around other people without trying to, um, you know, bump or wreck anybody, you know, because with racing, there's a lot that can go wrong. And, it, and it's not that, you know, you got to always be aware and be careful with yourself. And so, you know, for me, it, it taught me a lot of things. And, you know, it's helped me to kind of continue to elevate my driving abilities. Uh, like as I continue through the ranks of racing bigger cars and much bigger tracks and just, you know, learning like how to attack those racetracks and learning how to attack those tracks racing against other people. And so, you know, starting from there in the go-kart school, you know, it, it, it definitely taught me a lot of those things. And, you know, I'm just very grateful for those lessons. Yeah, it taught you the basis of it. It taught you the basis of racing to lead you more to greater endeavors and more success, basically, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's for sure. So I also read about you went to an event that was called the Brickley 400. So can you describe that event to me? And what do you remember most about that event? Yeah, so the Brickyard 400, you know, I, I went there when I was uh, 10 years old. And it, it was literally the first ever time that I got to go watch a race in person, like literally at the track. Like, it's much different seeing the race on track than it is on TV. So, like, that was the first ever time for me. And it was, I was just really pumped and excited just to see what it was like. And, you know, I was with my dad and a couple of his other friends. And we were sitting at around turn three and four, like, right around the short shoot. And 
you know, the track was so big and so wide that, you know, you couldn't really see turn one and two. Like all you could see was uh, drivers coming into turn three and flying by you through turn four. And, you know, and so just seeing the speeds that those cars went were just awesome. You know, I mean, another thing I remember about that event, like it, it was just a nice, hot, sunny day. Like you, you could have not asked for a much better race day weather than what that uh, brickyard that particular Brickyard 400 was. And so, you know, they take the green flag. Um, it's the first lap. They just start the race. They get to do turn one clean until they get into turn two, and then, bam, there's a wreck. You know, cars spinning around, roaming into each other. I was just like, man, there's a NASCAR crash. Like, is this normally what goes on? And could see it on the screen. Several cars were taken out. But, you know, overall, I mean, it was just like, it was just a fun, fun experience, and it made me want to go to more races at, at the track because it, it was just, it was just something that I really enjoy, and it's just, uh, it's a memory that uh, I, I won't forget for as long as I live. Good, 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 good. I bet that's a that sounds like a lasting long memory for sure. So I also read once online that your idol is Jimmy Johnson. So. Can you describe Jimmy Johnson and why is he your idol? Yes, you know, uh, Jimmy Johnson is a driver that, you know, I've, I've followed ever since I was a kid. He was always, uh, like, my favorite driver. And, you know, you want to talk about a guy that has accomplished a lot in the sport of racing and particularly NASCAR itself. Like, he's got 83 wins. You know, he has seven championships. And five of those, he won in a row. Like, literally, he won five championships in a row. And that's just something that is very hard to do, especially when you're racing at the very top level of sport, which is the, the NASCAR Cup Series. Like, he did that winning five championships in a row. And, you know, he's, he's just a guy that's, like, really well-respected, a class act. You know, I, I remember a time where, like, he uh, pushed his uh, teammate when he won his first ever race because he ran out of gas and pushed him to the front stretch to China. Uh, you know, kind of help him celebrate with his team and his crew. And, you know, it just, it just showed me every day that I, I knew about Jimmy Johnson and, you know, the type of driver he is. And a lot of things that he's done off track, you know, he's a great family man. He does a lot for his community. You know, he's just a, a really well-respected guy that, you know, you just like to meet and hang out with, you know, and just all of that just shows, shows you and me and, that he's a he's a true champion in my eyes. That's good. Now, have you ever met him before or no? No, I, and I'll tell you what. Like um, this year is his uh, last year in the Cup Series, and it, it's just it's crazy. Like all the years I've watched racing, and I haven't got to meet him one time. So we'll see. Maybe hopefully one of these days. Maybe when even if he's not racing, I still like to meet him someday. Like, cause you know, he's just that great of a guy. All right. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll work it out. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Yeah. We should try to do that. <laughs> so do you have any other idols and why do you idolize them? Yeah. So, you know, there's other idols I, I look up to as well, you know, um, especially drivers that come from where I am. Cause like not only I'm autistic, but I'm an African American as well. And we got African American race car drivers out there. Like, you think about a um, guy named uh, Daryl Wallace Jr. or nicknamed Bubba Wallace. He's a driver in the Cup Series who races for a legendary team of, uh, named Richard Petty with Richard Petty Motorsports. You know, and then you've got the pioneers of racing like Wendell Scott, who, who's actually the first African-American driver to get into the sport of racing and the first ever African-American driver to uh, win a NASCAR race. You know, and then you got uh, another driver with uh, Jesse Wucci, who's also an African-American driver who's racing up in NASCAR, you know, and he's also a um, U.S. military member as well. You know, so, I mean, those are the guys that I look up to. And, you know, that's something that I'm trying to join as well, because uh, I want to, you know, ultimately get up to the top three levels of NASCAR and, you know, just kind of help be part of like drivers that have drivers of African-Americans that uh, raced in top series of NASCAR. Yeah, I bet you'll get there one day. I oh yeah, absolutely. Yep, for sure. Thank you. You're welcome, bud. So now speaking of your accomplishments, what, like your career accomplishments, what NASCAR accomplishments have you made by far? 
And yeah, I mean, that's a hard one because, like, you know, like I've been like racing up in NASCAR for I think、uh, two or three years now. Like, I raced up in Canada,、uh, so like I could say you could say like the first African American driver in the U.S. to be part of a NASCAR Canada series, NASCAR Pinty series. But if there's one big accomplishment that I've done in NASCAR in my career is to is to I've I've gotten My first ever、um, top ten finish、um, in a race, and you know, for year and for a few years, you know, I've been trying to run up front and to try and you know、um, get great finishes and get、uh, great results. So you know, getting a top ten in a NASCAR race was a a great accomplishment for me. What 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 in the top ten? You said you were seventh, right? Actually,、uh, a race I I got a top ten and I finished ninth, not seventh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>、uh, it's okay. That's that's all right. <laughs> What is your favorite race that you competed in? I would say my favorite race I competed in was a、uh, race out in、uh, Loudon, New Hampshire, called the、uh, the New Hampshire Motor Speedway, and this was、uh, like I mentioned before、uh, a NASCAR Kinet,、uh, Pinty Series race in Canada that I participate at. And it was the first ever time that particular series raced raced down in the U.S. because they're a Canadian series, and most of the races they run it's all over Canada. So you know, when they had this inaugural event, they wanted me to be a part of it, considering that I'm an American driver as well. And so you know,、um, teamed up with a team called、uh, Simone、uh, Autosports、uh, with a guy named Anthony Simone. You know who got me into a ride, and you know, and got me into the race. And you know, we had a really good car that day. You know, a car that you know easily could run in the top ten or possibly top five. And you know, and at the end of that day, you know, I ended up getting my first ever top ten and finished ninth. So you know, it was mainly just trying to get into a finish and just to bring home a great result, considering that this race was in the U.S. So you know, that's probably my favorite one, just because of you know how. Huge that event was. That's really cool. Now, with your top ten, what's the highest of the top ten? Is it the ninety-minute highest then, or higher? No, I mean that's the highest one I finished in the top ten at, which was、oh. nine. But、uh, you know, hopefully, sooner rather than later, I can figure out how to finish eight spots better and you know start winning. <laughs> that's still good, man. Top ten. I mean. I know not to race against you. Yeah, I mean it's not that easy, but like you know, you just gotta continue to work hard, and you know that's when great results will happen. <laughs> Now I want to. I'm kind of interested. NASCAR day, they probably have different days or the similar day, and I or similar days or different days than us who are just living in the life of it in the house right now. So, what is an average day for a NASCAR driver or an average one or you? I guess could be one too. Yeah, so you know, I mean, every morning I always、uh, get up, you know, get some breakfast, probably go through social media of any the、uh, NASCAR news that's、uh, happening, and then you know, after going through that, you know, I, I always like to get maybe like a quick workout in, like maybe go on a bike ride or get a short run in, lift some weights a little bit, you know, and then maybe later on I'll get on my、uh, racing simulator and just. Keep focusing on sharpening my driving skills at whatever track or whatever car I drive, just so you know whenever the next race happens that you know I'm ready to go. And then you know at, at the end of the day, you know just kind of you know sit down in a dinner dinner table, you know just talk about your know, autism and racing together, and it's just、uh, you know th- those are the type of days that you know I kind of have mostly.、Is- Is autism racing? Is that like, or do you talk about any anything else? Like, do you talk about like what's going on in life? Do you talk about what your day was like, or yeah, you know,、uh, with autism racing, you know, we we always talk about like how our days at are from, and you、uh, and you know what's next, and all that stuff. Ah, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, definitely, that's really cool, man. What are your plans for the future, or what are your future goals, or your endeavors, or then becoming the top five? <laughs> Um. Yeah. So you know, mainly right now I'm running in the NASCAR Arca Menard Series, and you know, 
my future plans is to get up to the top three levels of NASCAR. I mean, you got the NASCAR Truck Series, you got the NASCAR Affinity Series, which is second level, and then you got the very top level of the sport, which is the NASCAR Cup. I want to get into those top three and then eventually move my way up to the very top and make a successful career out of the NASCAR Cup Series. So, you know, that's something that I like to continue to do. You know, and as well as, you know, continue to be an advocate to, you know, using my platform uh, to kind of help make a difference and with the autism community and, you know, just kind of help build that type of awareness with it. You know, so things like that, I, I plan on doing a lot of in the future. Yeah, I bet you'll get there. We, get, we got you, like we said, but I think you got a big future ahead of you, definitely. Yeah, thank you. People have been telling me that a lot, but thank you. <laughs> of course, man. Um, so now you've been in, now how long have you been in NASCAR exactly out of curiosity? Yeah, so I joined the NASCAR in 2017. So it was like three years ago. All right. So three years you've been in NASCAR. Now in that three years time frame, has NASCAR taught you anything? Yeah, you know, NASCAR has taught me a lot. You know, I mean just continue to enjoy what you you uh, do in the sport of NASCAR, you know, whether it's driving, whether it's uh, being a businessman or, you know, being on a pit crew, just keep enjoying what you love because this sport is something for everyone. And if you don't enjoy what you're doing in NASCAR, you know, then why are you there? You know, it, it also it taught me to, you know, take advantage of every opportunity you have in the sport because, you know, you have an opportunity to make a uh, big impact, you know, for what you want to do in life in the sport of NASCAR racing, you know, and it's important that, you know, you continue that you be able to market yourself. Like for me, I use my racing platform to kind of help build awareness with autism. And that's something that I carry along as my brand, something that is my identity, you know, in this, in, in, in any business, you know, it's very important that you market yourself because, you know, sports can be very sponsorship dependent and NASCAR is one of them. And so it's very important that you be able to market yourself because, you know, you want to be able to get sponsors and business people that will want to invest and carry along the type of mission that you're trying to strive for in racing, you know? And so, you know, once you can get that uh, support system that can help you back you up, you know, it, you, it allows you to, sort of continue to do what you love and, you know, help you give back to those that got you to where you want to be. And so, you know, those are the type of things that have taught me a lot in the industry of NASCAR. Gotcha. Gotcha. I understand that completely. What would you tell like your former self, like your rookie self, like from NASCAR a year ago? You know, I mean, I would just tell them that, you know, what you're doing right now, you have the opportunity to make that into a positive impact. If this is something that you dream of doing in your life, you know, go for it. Believe in yourself, encourage yourself, you know, get people that will want to support you so that way you can keep on going with your dreams and just work hard at everything that you've got, you know, and then sooner or rather than later, you'll eventually get to the promised land that you set out to go to. So, you know, always remember that. <laughs> Gotcha. Gotcha. I will definitely remember that. <laughs> you, I read, I watched an interview once a while, once upon a time, and you, and I want to know, like, how does having autism help you with being a NASCAR driver? You say it keeps you hyper focused. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I like the advantages we have with autism is that certain things we see, if we're really drawn into it, that's what we're a hundred percent focused on. We don't pay attention to anything else. That's just something that, like, we like to do that's something that's our interest and you know we're just always so focused and concentrated on that specific thing so for me when it comes to being a nascar driver whenever i strap my strap my belts in put my steering wheel on rev that start that engine of the car you know that's where my focus shifts in and you know especially for being a nascar driver you're racing for 100 200 laps going 180 190 miles an hour and it's not that easy to stay concentrated and focused. And that's just something that I, I, I see as an advantage for me, you know, being autistic is that I'm so focused and so concentrated. I don't ever think of anything else. And so, you know, that like just I always focus on making sure I hit my marks, make sure I stay out of trouble, stay aware, 
of everything that's going on in front of you and behind you. And that's just something I, I just take advantage of all the time as a NASCAR driver. Yeah, it's kind of like me. When we are so hyper-focused on something, that autism is going to click in and we're going to have that sixth sense instead of around that extra vision, I guess, when it comes to something that we love. Yeah, you know, you just, your focus just kind of shifts to whatever is happening and you just don't want to think of anything else, just that one specific thing. And that one thing that you love and dear, that you're a so much. Do you use advantages not only inside of NASCAR, but do you use them like outside of NASCAR when you're talking with your family or when, or when you're talking with a friend or anytime else? Yeah, you know, definitely. With that focus and concentration, you know, definitely carries along, you know, outside of being a NASCAR driver. You know, I mean, just, um, you know, like I mentioned before, the things I do, you know, whether it's being on a racing simulator, whether it's um, trying to do some work on the yard or, you know, any, anything that, like, I have a agenda or a job to do, you know, I'm always focusing on making sure that I finish that and then seeing, okay, well, what is the next step? What is something that I got to do? And so, you know, my focus, mind shifts from one to the other. And that's just something that I carry in my life outside of racing. Yeah, I need to work on that because stuff happens. And when a task happens, I'm like, no, let's do that task. Come back to the mini task later. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's just, there's always some things to do it. There's other things that, you know, you got to do do and, and get done in life. And so, you know, just, you know, that's something I try to apply. Definitely. We can apply that. Mm -hmm. So, I think there are any disadvantages with the NASCAR, in the NASCAR, and out of the NASCAR? If so, what are they? Yeah, so, I mean, the from a business development standpoint of NASCAR, you know, I mean, there's never, like, NASCAR uh, prides itself on trying to make it an inclusive environment for everyone, uh, you know, and sometimes minorities don't ever get that chance to, you know, kind of do what they set out love to do or gain opportunities, whether it's being a race car driver, whether it's being a pit crew member, or whether it's being a different, different um, businessman, excuse me. You know, there's always some challenges along the way. And, you know, that's the same thing that happened to me. I mean, people were just uncertain of, like, my capabilities as a race car driver and how I was going to do. But, you know, as soon as I hit that track, as soon as I got in that car and went out on the track and people saw what I can do inside a race car, you know, it kind of opened to everybody's eyes. And people has always wanted to try and, you know, continue to support me, keep continuing the opportunity to, you know, get back in a race car, continue to do what I love and race. And also, you know, continue to carry a cause that what I want to bring out, you know, with my racing and just, you know, helping autism as well. Definitely. Definitely. I can agree with that. So first of all, let me just say, I'm very happy that you're open about your autism. I'm very pleased with that. So I am too. So that's Thank really you. a good thing. But what made you decide that you're going to become open about your autism? And what made you decide to be the first openly autistic NASCAR driver? Yeah, I mean, I think it was just more of like bringing out like that word out there, you know, because like in racing, you know, we've seen, they've seen a woman being, getting into the sport, being a driver, we've seen African-Americans get into racing, but They've never really had a driver that had special needs, including autism, you know, join a sport like NASCAR that wanted to be part of the sport. And so, you know, when the time came to like when I got to NASCAR and people started to understand my story and who I am, that's sort of that whole like the first openly diagnosed, uh, first openly NASCAR driver diagnosed with autism sort of came along. And we continue to kind of help spread that word and help people to understand you know, like, and continue to share my story and just see uh, how people react to that and see, like, you know, whether they this is something that they want to be a part of. So that's kind of where that whole thing came from. <laughs> gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. So, did anyone help you make the decision? Um. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, I mean, I think it was more of, like, you know, my family wanting to, you know, kind of put that out there, you know, like trying to continue to tell that story to all everyone who was a who was a NASCAR fan or wasn't 
or to families who had a family member or a uh, child who had autism just to understand like who this person is. So, you know, it was more of like a family effort to try and uh, put that out there. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Now, also, did you have any doubts about this decision where you're like, and not for sure, how do you think about it? This is what I'm kind of concerned about. Did you have any doubts really, or was it like, no, I'm doing it? There wasn't really too much doubt with it. I mean, you know, really, like, this is just something that I, I, we felt like, you know, people, this is what people need to hear. They need to, I, we need to be able to share the story and just get that connection out there to people to see if, like, if people wanted to try and get involved in this. And so I don't think there was really any doubt. I mean, I, I just felt like this is something that, you know, people really needed to know, people that really need to hear and just see how they reacted to it. Gotcha. I think they reacted good, but for the most part. And that answered my next question. What were your fans' reactions? Oh, what were your fans' reactions about you opening about autism? And it sounds like good based on what you said. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, when when that first came out there, you know, I mean, we had people on our social media just telling us, you know, oh wow, how great of a story this is. This is such uh, inspiration. You know, skies. Uh, you know, doing something in a very positive way for what he has, which is autism, you know, and that sort of same um, influence and impact it has brought along to, you know, again, like I mentioned before, you know, families who have a family member that has autism or, or you know, just individuals in general who have autism that are able to see that. And it's just something that, oh, yeah, I want to go see this guy because, you know, he, he can show us that, you know, no matter what we, no matter if we have autism or whatnot, he's he's doing, he's achieving his dream in a positive way, and we can do the same. Yeah, you're changing the world. You're showing other people that follow your passion, no matter about your autism. All that matters is that it's your passion. Do it. Yeah, and just being able to share that same passion for everybody as well, you know, and just give them a, a glimmer of hope that you know it's not always the end of the world. You know, you can achieve great things in life just like you can as well. <laughs> gotcha. So also, I want to talk to you about your, now I want to talk to you about your cars. You said you had a lot of cars. So what is your favorite car that you once had and can you describe it please? Yeah, so, you know, I've driven many different cars before, but um, I say my favorite one was, uh, is a 2017 car that I once drove in the NASCAR Pinty Series in Canada. And I'm, I'm sure you can look it up as well. But it, I mean, I can only describe it as a car that ha had its identity. I mean, it was a car where it was, it had blue all around with like puzzle pieces all around. Just almost, it just almost symbolized like who, who was driving in the car and like, you know, what type of cause is he trying to bring out with his platform of racing and what is he trying to, you know, make a big impact of. And so, you know, that, that particular car is just my favorite one, just because of, you know, that just symbolized who, what my identity was and who I am as a person and just be able to share that same story with not only people, individuals with autism or family members with autism, but to everyone who may have not heard of me to almost want to kind of understand my story. Gotcha. So did all of your cars represent you in some capacity? Like, did they represent you in a different way? Um, well, you know, songsters always want to have, like, something on the car. So, you know, I mean, as far as, like, when we were trying to come up with the signs, I would say not everyone kind of symbolized the way I am, just certain ones, you know. But um, really, you know, just there was just a few out there that, like, really did symbolize, uh, like, who I am, you know with not only that 2017 car, but the car I drove this year in uh, Phoenix when we partnered with Cynthia Autism. I even have the shirt Cynthia Autism on there. Just because of what I have in, in the mission that I'm trying to bring out with what this sponsor is trying to bring out. So I would say that's another car that uh, you know, represent me a lot more. Gotcha. And who helps you design the cars out of curiosity? You know, um, not really sure like i mean not with every car but i can tell you with one particular car you know especially that 2017 car it was this i said that's how you go right ahead dude 
Yeah, yeah. So it was a 2017 car. That that particular 2017 design was designed by a friend of my dad's name, um, Jerry Hall, and shout out to him and his family. Um, you know, they and he's a really big fan of motorsports and racing in general. And like, you know, when he heard of uh, that I was autistic, he wanted to kind of help to create a design like this car that kind of helped symbolize what I am. You know, and even he has a son that has uh, autism as well, you know, so that's kind of where that whole design kind of came along just because of, you know, something that he has that I'm trying to create a, a big impact as well. And so that's, that's kind of who made that design. Gotcha. I gotcha. That, that's good that he helped you and he seems like a wonderful man. Oh yeah, definitely a great man and, you know, a big fan of racing all in all in all. Gotcha. So now, are there any cars that you've had that went kapoop and crashed or got, like, went kapoopy or died on you or just went crashed on you? Well, what, uh, what, do, you, what do you mean by that? <laughs> like, did any of the cars, like, you've raced before, like, die or, like, how you crashed a car in a race? I mean, not really. I mean, I would say, you know, more of that stuff uh, you would see, see probably like when we have practice and qualifying and you never want to tear a little car before a race, but you know, definitely those kind of things happen during a race. You just hope that you're just not involved in one, you know, and that's just the type of stuff you go through in a race and in the sport, you know, and it's just, you know, just gotta be really aware of yourself. And so, you know, those type of things can happen. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah definitely. As I've seen on my grandpa is a big NASCAR fan. I've seen like cars crash so many times I couldn't even count. Right, yeah. You know, some sometimes it, it may not be as bad as sometimes they end up turning bad, but you know, you never wish that on any driver. You just hope for a clean race and everybody just stays safe out there. Definitely. Now mm -hmm. you I've looked up so this is impressive impressive. You have a GPA of 3.0. That's what's saying. that's really impressive. So good job. Yeah, thank you. Really appreciate it. So, but how did you manage, because you raced when you were still in school, right? Yeah, I'm, right now I'm a, uh, I'm a college student right now. I just finished uh, being a sophomore. I'm going to go into the junior. But, yeah, you know, as far as trying to manage, um, you know, racing in school at the same time, you know, it can definitely be tough. Like, most drivers will tend to <clears throat> finish high school and then immediately skip through college and, like, uh, go to the national career. Like, they, like the quickly to go, the better opportunity gap. But, you know, I try to take a different path to that, you know, and just continue to go through school, get a degree, because you never know how long you're going to be in a profession for. You know, there's drivers that last for 20 plus years, you know, but not a lot of people get to enjoy it for that long. You know, usually it's five, seven, 10 years. So, you know, you're just thinking what's next for me. And so, you know, I kind of took my part in just trying to continue to go through school while trying to manage racing at the same time. And it's easier when it's in the fall because that's where the end of the NASCAR season is. But then when it gets to the winter, that's kind of, that's when it's really gets challenging. You know, I have to kind of carry along my class materials, sometimes my laptop to do homework, hoping that like I can get to as many online classes as I can, because, you know, you're always on the go. And so, you know, it's, uh, Right now, it, it's not been that tough to manage. Yeah, I bet. I bet you're seeing on the road again, on the road again, a lot. Yeah, I mean, NASCAR, I mean, like, they race all around the country. So wherever you're going to race at, you're going to be traveling all, all over the place, you know. So you always want to bring some things with you, you know, because you don't have time to go to a lecture hall, go to your class and all that. So for me, I've always tried to, get as many online classes as I can. So that way, you know, I get, that's the only way I can manage my time with some racing that I got going on because you don't ever have to miss a meeting or be absent for anything. You can just do it straight out of your laptop. Definitely. That's probably helpful yeah. for you. Yeah, that's for sure. So what do you like and not like about school? What did and did you not with elementary, middle, high? Doesn't matter what age necessarily um you know i think what i mostly like about school is that you know i get to meet certain people that you know that are probably not where i'm from you know just kind of continued just you know continuing to make friends and just kind of build those type of friendship connections like that you know i always am a guy that just likes to meet certain people likes to interact you know talk 
you know, like just to learn more about people as much as I can. But, you know, of course, you know, being at school, things I don't like, and, you know, you probably, you probably know this well, you know, some, most of the hard classes you like to take, like right now I'm a, a um, mechanical engineering major and man, you have no idea how many hard classes you got to go through. There's a lot of math, a lot of science going on and they're not that easy classes to go through. So like hard classes, trying to get through that is, that is something that I don't like, but it's just something that everybody's got to deal with. Yeah, not it. <laughs> not being a mechanic. That's Nope, gonna check that off on the free list and put a thing X on that. Mm -hmm. yep. So, is there anyone who has helped you through school? Like, is there any teachers that you was loved dearly, or any teachers that have helped you a lot, not just academically, but so socially, personally? Yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of teachers that uh, help support me. You know, um, there was even a room where, like, I would kind of go in and just kind of do whatever homework that I needed to get done. So I wouldn't have to do it when I have to get back home. You know, I'm, I've always had assistants that kind of walk me around and just kind of help me get through school, understand what things I needed to do or what to get done. And, you know, and I'm very grateful and that they support me and help me a lot because, you know, just w without any support and people help me out, you know, like how, how in the world are you going to be able to get through school? I mean, it, it would just be so long and, so miserable but you know with the help that i've gotten and the support of the teachers that helped me like get through it you know i mean it's it's definitely been great yeah i i bet it's been great is there a teacher that's helped you a lot than others or i went i mean like i've had so many teachers so i'm i'm not sure if i can name us name one but if i were to uh, name one right now it would be um person named uh, Mrs. Uh, Christina Raygard. Again, shout out to her. I mean, she kind of helped me a lot with knowing like the materials, like what I'm going through in class and stuff like that, making sure that, you know, I stay on top of things, make sure I, I get good grades in it. And so that, that's so I would say that's one particular teacher that's kind of helped me like continue to follow that path in a positive way. Good. She seemed really, she seemed helpful to you, and I'm glad of that. Yeah, you know, it's always about that support. Yep, always. So why did you not wait until school was out, though? That's kind of, because you said because of, because you want to get, get different, right? To make it ahead? Yeah, I mean, you know, like most drivers, I, I could have just skipped through college and just finished high school, go on to uh, a racing career. But, you know, again, you just never know how long you're going to be doing it. You want to be doing it for as long as possible, but not everyone has that chance to be able to race for 15 or 20 years. You know, I mean, like it's not, not everyone in the racing industry gets to race for as long as they can, you know. So, you know, you're, you're always looking for that uncertainty, which is why I wanted to stay in school, go through college, get a degree so that even like, even if racing doesn't work out for me, which I, I you know, I'm still trying to continue to make that work and continue to, you know, achieve my big dream of getting to the top, you know, like getting through college and just be able to get that education. It gives you the opportunity and it opens you up for other things that you might do. So that way, you know, you're not just like sitting at home all the time. There's other things that you can do. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's a smart choice to make, I will tell you that. Mm-hmm. So you play for a lot of cherries. So what cherries have you played for exactly? Yeah, so, you know, I've done a lot of cherries that's like been mostly autism related, you know, with the Autism Alliance of Michigan. I've also went to the most couple of their uh, Michigan galas there. You know, I've also had charities out in Ohio. So the Autism Society of Ohio comes to mind, especially in Akron where I got to visit a zoo that became the first century autism school um, in the country where I got to meet uh, certain uh, families with autistic children or individuals that had autism, you know, just speaking out to the community like that. You know, I've also gone to a Toledo, an event down in Toledo where they had a car show where we, I brought my own car and just kind of helped to the awareness of autism. Um, you know, I've also done the UAW, um, Ford, um, boys, uh, boys and girls, uh, society of America, 
you know, where I got to visit with a group of African-American uh, people, you know, teach them about racing. And then just uh, last year, I got to uh, go visit a, a, a school in uh, Troy, Michigan, where they helped raise money for autism and they wanted me to go speak out to them and, you know, just uh, kind of help support uh, that area and that community as well. So, you know, there, there's been a lot of charities. Oh yeah. And then one more thing I, I've also done the, I've also spoke out at North, North Carolina where they have a foundation with the ABC of North Carolina, where they kind of help people with autism, just kind of help them guide through what the experience in life and just, make them kind of, you know, get them into society as well, be included. So, you know, there's just, there's a lot of those things that, you know, we continue to, you know, do with um, autism because that's the same mission we're trying to carry along as well. Gotcha. Now, I want to talk to you about your social interaction kind. These are not questions where I'm trying to bash you, so don't get the wrong idea. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah no, no problem. So, some people have not accepted us, and that's sad. I'll be honest with you. That's not the right thing to do. A, B, it's kind of stupid that they don't. But what do you do when someone is not accepting you? Well, I mean, you know, again, I mean, just whenever you go through life, you know, you're, you're gonna you're you're gonna make some friends with people that like you, and then you know, there's um, you know, people that you know may not like you as much, and they might start to you know pick on you a little bit. You know, so really when people don't accept me, I just decide to not pay attention to them. I just continue to find people that um, cares about me and who believes in who I am and is willing to kind of, you know, kind of be friends with me and just kind of like continue to show me like that, you know, yes, like, you know, I'm, I'm part of society as well. And, you know, that, you know, you don't have to feel left alone, you know you know, there's something for everyone. So, you know, I pay attention more to people that support me and believe in me versus rather like the people that might not accept me as much. Yeah, you just push them off and just don't care about them, right? Sort of. Well, well, yeah, I mean, again, you know, it's just not everyone's going to like you for who you are. And so, you know, when they don't accept you, you know, I mean, you can try to get them to accept you, but if they just if they just don't care about it, then, you know, just find, find people that do, you know, I mean, that's just something in life that you just have to go through. You don't want to find something that's negative about it. You want to find people that are more positive of who you are. All right. I got, I got you. Definitely. That's good advice for my viewers who, or someone who has autism. That's excellent advice for them. So also this is kind of a weird one, but was there a social interaction that you made that you think that you need to prove on? Like, your social skills, like eye contact, example, because I don't do good eye contact. That's an example. Like any social part, so you might need to work on. But was there a social social part or a social interaction that you knew that you were making progress? Yeah, you know, and uh, my my parents definitely like got me to teach me a lot about social interaction. I mean, like mainly they were teaching me things like you know how to greet someone, like hey, how are you doing, or you know, like hello, like you know, how's everything going, you know. And just kind of trying to come up with topics to that's not related to what you like, but versus like what other people like, you know, like the thing about making friends is that you want to be able to learn more about a person as much as you can. You know, it's not always about you all the time. And for many years, I've always kind of struggled to find that. And, you know, cause I've always think about myself rather than thinking about other people. And so that's one thing that I, I've been continuing to work on, you know, and just asking them things of like things that they kind of enjoy or things that they like to do when they're out and about and just sort of kind of, you know, share that same interest, share that same connection. So that way, you know, other people feel like, you know, you're interested in what you're doing, which makes them interested, makes them want to be interested in what you're doing as well. And so those are things that like, I've kind of focused on a lot and just, you know, do uh, work hard to, you know, uh, you know, work on it a lot. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, I work on stuff too. I mean, I work on my eye contact, but by the pockets, I said, it's what I struggle with. So that's kind of the odd part about it. That's why I made it is help people the struggles that I deal with, but maybe give them solutions. But I use my own solutions, I guess, in a way. Mm -hmm. So 
Also, was there a point that you did you give up at eight any time, and how did you bounce back? Um. Yeah, I mean, there have been some moments where, like, you know, I could have given up on it. Like, I really can't tell of a specific one because I don't ever want to think about giving up on anything. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, really, like, I just kind of, you know, I just kind of take whatever, like, people say that I can't do and just, like, tell them that like you know hey no i i can do that and i'm, I'm not gonna just let this like back me down i'm just gonna continue to do what i i set out to do and what i enjoy and you know continue to be myself and just express myself like for the person that i am so you know there's been moments like that where i could have just been down on myself but i just i just knew i, I couldn't give up i just have to keep going gotcha gotcha now now you said that you said a quote that is very powering to me. Tell me I can't so I can show you that I can. What does that quote exactly mean to you? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, there's certain things that you might have that can be a setback. And, you know, there's people that have the ability to identify that and try to find ways that can take you down no, no matter what you're trying to do. They, they're always trying to find a way to almost take you down. And so, you know, it's like it's like a person telling you hey man like like you're a very good basketball player but people tell you like hey you can't dribble or you shoot over me or you can't slam dunk me and it's more like no i can show you because this is what i practice on this is what i love this is my passion and i'm going to show you that and so you know whatever people say that want to turn it into a negative and make you a negative i try to take those as a motivation to do something positive with this. So that's the whole motto of the tell me I can so that I can show you that I can and just take those negatives and use it as motivation and, and make it into a positive to what people told you you can because you know in yourself, inside your heart, that you know you can do it uh, in your abilities of what you love to do. Yeah, yeah, you use it as a reverse psychology trick sort of in my eyes, because in my eyes I see it as your psychology. I mean, you you're proof, you're showing them that you're saying that they can't, you're listening to it, you pretend that you are, I guess, and you're fine, but then you show them and you're like this whole time I knew I could do it. I did it, woohoo, you know. You're like, Yeah, so yeah, it's more about, yeah, I mean it's more about, you know, trying to prove people wrong, you know. Yeah, we I think we like to do that a lot. <laughs> mm hmm Yeah, so, definitely. These are, just for, these are just for fun questions. I'm just interested. So the first one is, what is your uh, paradise meal, your favorite food, and why is it your favorite? Uh, you know what? I, like, I've had a lot of meals, and I've had a lot of... Mm, Me too. I've had a lot of meals before, but, like, if I were... Hold on. Like, if I were to choose one, I would say it'd be like a nice, beautiful, juicy, uh, like a New York strip and maybe some fries on the side. You know, it, it's just a good meal because like a steak, like I'm, I'm a protein guy. I like to eat any food that has protein in it. So like, you know, steak has always been one of my favorite foods. So it'd be something that kind of be my kind of paradise food. It's just anything that's like a steak or a burger, you know, and fries or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's my dad's thing. See, one Father and son chat for more on that. But yeah, that's my dad's too. So it's kind of like we got something in common. Yeah, for sure. So what is your favorite movie or TV show and why do you like it? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I've, I've had, I've watched a lot of movies, watched a lot of TV shows. Um, if I were to choose a favorite, like this is actually a favorite movie, not a show, but like uh, my favorite movie would be um, Talladega Nights. It's basically just uh, a racing movie with, um, Will Ferrell and uh, and uh, another actor, I forgot what his name was, but like, you know, uh, it was a 2006 film and it was all about racing, but there was, it, it, it's more about like comedy and seeing like how fun like this type of sport is and what things can go on, you know? So, you know, like that particular movie, like my mom had a uh, DVD of it at home, but like, like, cause it was rated R, she wouldn't let me watch it. So I had to wait later on just to go see it for the first time. And I, I actually got a good kick out of it. So that ultimately became like, this one of my favorite movies. 
Good. That sounds like a good movie. Now, I was curiosity. I just thought this. Have you seen the new Ford versus Ferrari movie? Oh yes, that that one. That one's another good one. I actually got to go see that in theaters. Theaters. It's a, an incredible true story about like two manufacturers going at it in a popular race of Le Mans, Ford versus Ferrari. I mean, it, it, it's just an excellent film. I don't know if you got a chance to go see it, but if you ever get a chance, you could you should go see it because that's a it's a great great movie okay great check movie. it out <laughs> yeah check it out i think so now what is in your favorite vacation that you have ever taken and why did you enjoy that vacation the most or enjoy it very much i would say yeah i've had a lot of vacations but um if there was one vacation that was probably my most favorite i mean it probably wouldn't be somewhere like like on a beach or a pool, like it'd probably be somewhere that's special. I would say it'd probably be when I took a vacation to go to uh, Disneyland in uh, California, you know, and in that particular time, you know, I like it was about right around my 18th birthday and my mom had this idea of, hey, let's go, let's go travel somewhere nice and fun for your birthday. And so, you know, we took a trip to Disneyland, which I've been to Disney World before, but I've never been to Disneyland, this particular one in California. And so, yeah, everything was just so magical, so fun. And that was just kind of like my favorite day, my favorite trip that, you know, I also will never forget. Gotcha. That, that sounds like a good vacation. Okay, here's the last question for you. Are there any good memories that you want to tell our viewers about? If you do, why do you remember that memory the most? And I want like a serious memory, like a good memory you had, and I want a funny memory. Okay, let me try to think of fun. Um, All right, take your time, dude. Yeah, I, I would say a good memory I had was the first time I've ever won a race, like ever in my racing career. Like it was in, um, it was back in 2012 where I was racing in a Bandolero type car um, in a series where, you know, I had, there was uh, adults that were probably like way, twice my age. And like this one particular race, you know, I, I ultimately end up beating them in a feature race, which was 20 laps and, you know, hold off the rest of the field. Like I started, they fit their six, got to the front and then, you know, automatically and like we led through the rest of the race and end up winning it. And then I remember the most was I most of the time, uh, like the winner would go on the front stretch to celebrate with a win, celebrate with fans. Well, actually, I accidentally got off track and, you know, thinking I just pull into the trailer and they, they come up to me and said, hey, you got to go up in the track, go to Victory Night. And I'm like, oh, shoot, what am I doing? <laughs> so I had, to, I had to drive my car back to the uh, track to kind of help celebrate Victory Lane. And so, you know, that was almost like a little uh, looper move there. But... Uh, you know, it was just sort of a good and fun memory. Good, 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 good. That sounds like a blast, man. Yeah. So I think we're done here. Thank you for being on the. Thank you for being on the show. And is there anything you'd like to say to our viewers out there? You know, I, I would just uh, tell my viewers, you know, just uh, continue to stay safe, and you know, just um, if you tell tell if you have a family member or a friend or individual with autism that you know of, you know, just remind them that you know they can achieve things that they want to achieve just as long as they believe in themselves they stay encouraged and work hard for that dream and kind of help support them give them that that love that kindness that understanding that they desperately need because you okay. know we all want to help each other you know <laughs> all right well thank you again and have a great day you too Thanks for joining for this episode. Please tune in for another episode coming very soon. I hope you enjoyed listening to me ramble. Thank you very much.